Welcome to What Are We Singing? I'm your host, Trent Walker. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Let me also just say Happy New Year to all of you guys who are brand new to this. Hope you had a great Christmas season. Today is a song dive into the new song by Elevation Worship called Praise. I mean, what a great title to a song. I couldn't have picked a better one. You know, when I was growing up as a young person, we didn't even have the term or the understanding of the word worship leader. And we didn't just refer to the music that was done in church as the worship, as if we've just shortened everything. It was called praise and worship back then because we had a very clear distinction that, hey, kind of upbeat songs of joy were called praise songs. So I thought, Let's dig into this and just ask ourselves, for one, why are we singing? What is the song about? What can we learn from this? And how can this be a blessing? How can you not only lead this well, but how can you receive this well and understand that you are a part of the kingdom of God with a song like this? So let's dig into this episode of What Are We Singing? So let's talk about the song Praise by Elevation. Now, I've been following Elevation worship music since they first came on the scene back in the mid-2000s. They caught my attention when they first came out with a worship cover of Israel Houghton's We Have Overcome on their We Are Alive album in 2008. Now, Elevation doesn't even register these songs as part of their ministry anymore. I don't know why, but usually it has a lot to do with copyrights and by singing, signing agreements and things like that, or no signing agreements early on in the formation of their ministry years. Now that they're a huge money-making industry, things need to be kept in check a whole lot more. And, and what I mean by that is that there's just a lot going on with that. I mean, the thought process would be like, well, if you're making church music, then maybe you shouldn't monetize that. Well, the truth of it is, is that if it's public, if it's going out there among the world, then somebody's making money off of it. And practically, it does cost money to create music. And and I can be one that attests to that as an independent music maker myself. So Praise is the new hit that has come out from the worship industry giant, this, uh, this industry giant called Elevation Worship. Now, don't check out on me just yet because you heard me say the words worship industry. I realize this can cause a lot of polarizing emotions. So let me just take a few minutes to explain myself. Most people listening to this have no idea what I mean when I say the words worship industry. If that's you, allow me to explain by simply saying it's the engine that creates and curates content for the contemporary congregationally singing church to sing in their worship services today. Think of it as the modern day hymn writers. Uh, you know, you you might not be a Christian or you might not go to church, but you probably heard, certainly heard Justin Bieber sing Reckless Love. Well, Reckless Love was a song intended for the church and written by a church songwriter named Corey Asbury and Bethel Music. It's these types of things that kind of you see culture crossing among each other and it's, it's, that was pretty cool. You know, other big named artists that kind of enter into the church singing world like Kanye in the past, you know, five years. So anyways, this industry, this worship industry has really become a powerhouse for Christian songwriting and it's taken the world by storm. Whether you like it or not, 
people are getting paid big money to get songs in front of the church to be sung on a Sunday morning for church services. So basically, that's the industry. People can become a worship artist today. Seems kind of silly to me, but if you've sung any songs that have been written by Chris Tomlin, Bethel Hillsong, or Elevation, then you've probably attributed to this industry. On the on the one hand, we've had an amazing songs of faith composed by the help of this movement, and some have decided to call it that rather than an industry. They call it a movement. And I can't imagine where the people of God would be if we didn't have scribes and writers of the movement of God throughout history like Martin Luther, Charles Wesley, and, well, King David. On the other hand, this industry is largely driven by follows, likes, youthful engagement, and, well, money, 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 which brings up an odd dilemma. It takes time and collaboration to write a song. It also takes money to produce that song, get it in front of listening ears, and present and promote that song. You can be like me, an independent artist, where every song and every dollar counts, or you can utilize your following to create an engine that catapults that song forward. But in order to do that, you've got to have a lot of songs. You've got to have a lot of backing. And guess what? Your songs have to be good. The people that you're hearing in any time new, if they're making any waves in music at all, they have a lot of backing. It, it doesn't just come naturally. And viral is very very, very, very rare. And sometimes it goes the direction you don't want it to. While I love the idea of having great songs, the ones with a hook and catchy melodies, I'm also aware that if we, the church, the body of believers, the universal church as we, as we would call it, if we're consuming songs being fed to us from this industry rather than creating ways that empower us to speak and sing the word of God for ourselves, then we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Anyways, so that's my tirade on the worship industry. Keep watching and listening. I'm sure there's always more I've got to share on that. What I really wanted to talk about is this new song called Praise. Why did I pick this song? Well, I know you're going to hear it, and I know that your church is going to be singing it. So I thought I'd better get in front of it and help create some ways for you to participate with it better. Whether you're the pastor of a church, the worship leader of a church, or the person in the pews, let's talk about what makes this song great and what you can do to lead it well. So question one, where is this found in the scripture? Let's think about this song. If you haven't heard it, let me just say, here's some of the lyrics. Chorus is, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Come on, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Uh, I'll praise when I feel it. I'll praise when I don't. I'll praise because I know that you're in control. Here's some other lyrics. Because my praise is a weapon, it's more than a sound. Oh, my praise is the shout that brings Jericho down. As long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Super fun. I mean, just, just an alive upbeat song. Man, it, it hits everything. In fact, it's just one of those songs that I just think the song is done really well. Maybe a little too well. I'm just saying that usually introducing a new song in the church is a hard thing to do because this one is already a winner. I told Siobhan that I feel like this is one of those songs that was most likely, most likely written years ago and has been sitting on a shelf until it could get released for a primetime season and an audience of listeners. 
similar to the theory that Apple most likely has the next four to five years of iPhones already done and ready for production, but is stair-stepping the invention release so that maximum profits can be made. I know that's so bad of me to say that. Uh, you know, I've also had a worship leader friend tell me once that upbeat songs have a shorter shelf life. I agree with this. So ballads like 10,000 Reasons and How Great Is Our God are the songs that, if the Lord tarries, will be sung 100 years from now. But this song probably won't. I mean, don't quote me on that, but it, it pro- probably most likely won't. So it's just, you know, you got to ask yourself the question, where's this found in the scripture? I mean, this is this is a good song. You're going to be singing it. So let's go and say, where's this found in, in the scripture? Psalm 103 verse 1 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Psalm 104 1 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, O my Lord God, uh, oh Lord, my God, you are very great. Psalm, 10, Psalm 150, 1 to 2 and 6 says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, and let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, obviously, this is not anything new. Like we, this is what we think of when we think of church, we think of praising the Lord, reading through the Psalms. This is as close to what we would think of in today's world of what praise would be. Praise means halal in Hebrew. It's the foundation of the expression hallelujah, of which the Jah means the Lord. So the whole name hallelujah actually says praise the lord it's the same thing praise the lord it would be the english translation of the jewish word hallelujah so but this is the foundation of how i like to approach songs within the church like i want to always ask the question where's it found in the bible i want to know where it's found and if you're not aware of it most of the doctrine we have as believers today comes from the songs we're singing more than it comes from the messages that are getting preached. How many messages can you think of in the past year that have impacted you so much that you can remember all the words to it? Probably not very many, if any at all. But a song, well, a song sticks with you. But I, but I don't desire to just simply know where the source of a song like this is found for the sake of knowing a memory verse. I want to know what God's saying, and I want to hear him speaking. In order for me to know that, I want to know the depths of the word of God in that particular passage. As you can see, there's a little bit of borrowing of scripture on this song. On the one hand, it seems harmless, but on the other, have you ever heard somebody misquote the Bible for their own purposes and you felt kind of a tug in your spirit, speak up and say, well, actually, the Bible didn't exactly say it that way. Now, I don't want to get stuck in the weeds too much on the semantics of the purity of Scripture because I also write as inspired with artistic liberties at times. But I'm not satisfied with just checking off the box of singing a hype song at church and calling it good. I want to know why I'm singing this song. So, question two. Why are we singing this song? Well, for one, I believe it's a great opportunity to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. There's so much opportunity in a song like this to simply let loose and sing. Eyes closed, hands raised, feet moving with dance. Psalm 150 verse 4. For all my Baptist friends out there, (laughs) you can dance. It's a great opportunity to remind your body and mind that God is still on the throne, worthy of your excitement and hope and deserving of all your love, heart, soul, mind, and strength. For two, 
I believe this world needs hope. The church needs hope. We need hope. I don't want to sing a happy song on Sunday and then go back to the world on Monday and forget all his benefits, like Psalm 102, where we got that passage of scripture, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. If a song like this can seep into your soul to remind you to praise the Lord for who he is and the things that he has done throughout your week, then I think it's accomplishing its goal. In fact, let me just say, coming into a brand new year, what better song to be singing right now, but to remind yourself that there is hope, there is life, there is a new day dawning in the kingdom of God. You don't have to live by the patterns and conform to this world you actually can live in the kingdom of God and you can be the kingdom of God to others too. Man, what a powerful reminder. Wouldn't it be amazing for those who hear and lead this song to be drawn deeper into the word of God from a song like this? Charles Spurgeon believed that David wrote this psalm later in life because it had such an intimate language associated with sin and God's beautiful pardoning of that sin. Think about what our world needs right now. We have hopelessness. We have darkness. As you, If you followed along with that Advent series that we just completed, we recognize that the enemy has a whole big plan to bring the world to hell in a handbasket. But the kingdom of God doesn't partner with that, doesn't believe with that. And if you read your Bible at the end, we win. And so that's a powerful reminder at the beginning of the year that we have hope. Let's praise the Lord because we have hope. Psalm 103 is a quote from Deuteronomy 431. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. All these things are within the word of God. Wouldn't it be amazing to know more of the word of God from a song like this? And verse 17 is quoted by Mary in the Magnificat. I definitely found this out just a little too late after the Advent series. So I'm excited already about talking about Christmas for next year. <laughs> Verse 5 is quoted by Isaiah in that ever-famous verse in chapter 40, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength like eagles. Shameless plug, I have a brand new song called Like Eagles coming out in just a few weeks. Did you know that Trent and Siobhan Ministries, Inc. is a fully registered 501c3 nonprofit? That means that your contributions are fully tax deductible. As you're putting together your end of year contributions for this tax season of 2023, we wanted to tell you a story of someone who paid it forward. As I begin to share our new Worship with the Word project, God moved on someone's heart to be able to pay that forward for you guys to be a part of hearing that. That means that your gift of $50 or $100 helps us reach our goal of $500 to be able to fully produce our next song. It's not that much when you consider how much of an impact this can make. If the Lord's moving on your heart to be a part of this ministry in this way, you can do that at trentonshavon.com. That's T-R-E-N-T-A-N-D-S-I-O-B-H-A-N.com. Wouldn't it be amazing if we knew the power of God while singing this song? In the story of King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, you might recall that he put the singers out in front of the army. We even have another popular song in the last decade written about that one moment called Fight My Battles or Surrounded. I don't remember the name of the song. It's, it's the one where we get the impression that if we just sing, then God will fight our battles. And if we just praise, then God will make a way for us, which is all true in part. 
I do want to say this, what I feel I need to say that it is so even as you're coming into the song, even as you're singing this song, the message is that if we just praise, if we just sing, which is is true, it really is true. But I want to open that up a little bit bigger. It's not just the singing. It's not just the praise. It that moves the heart of God. In fact, in Amos 5.23, you can read that singing and praising really gets annoying to God if there is no faith, if there's no walking out the beautiful gospel that he has given, if there's no walking by faith and living as the church and the body of Christ, not just being truth or speaking truth, but your hands and feet walking it out. How are you practically being the kingdom of God in the hands of feet of God. So that's, that's pretty real. You know, if, if all we do is come in church and receive, we're really missing out on amazing blessing of the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want to make anybody feel bad for that because quite frankly, I recognize that there's a, we're all busy. We're all so busy, and, and most of the time, we're just dealing with our own stuff enough that we're crying out to the Lord. So, I mean, if you come into church and you're singing this song, again, just let it be a reminder of the good things that God has done for you, that he's actually called you and set you apart in order for you to be his hands and feet in the kingdom of God to others. But just to say that, let me be real here, singing and praising gets annoying to God when that's all it is just checking off the box. It's actually faith that moves the heart of God. This might be my only disagreement with this song. Praise is not the water my enemies drown in. Okay. But anyways, who's really paying attention to the lyrics, right? Question three, what are you praising God for? Personally, I tend to get bothered by a lack of understanding of the word of God in the church today. It, it's like there are two polarizing sides that say, I just want to experience the touch of God and they have no depth to their faith. Or the other side that loves to exegete the scriptures to death until they've successfully argued with their way on Twitter and Facebook out of having to act on their beliefs in any mountain moving way. Look, what I would say at this song, don't you dare sing this song without a depth of faith in God. Seeing him act in the ways that you're believing him for. Otherwise, what good is your faith if it's not there to move mountains? Our praise is meant to glorify the Lord for his attributes, for his amazing power, for his sovereignty, his goodness. And let me just add another little tiny, you know, a soapbox on there. The sovereignty of God does not mean he's a bad God. It means he's awesome and powerful and he does great things. That means his sovereignty also means that he has given us, his people, the power and authority in his name to move mountains. That's pretty sovereign and that's pretty powerful. Okay, I'll stop my soapbox and talk a whole different time on what I believe about the sovereignty of God. Here's what I would recommend. All of this is just talk. If I didn't throw out a challenge for pastors, worship leaders, and believers alike to practically work this out. If you're thinking of singing this song with your congregation or small group, consider these practices. Take a short interlude right in the middle of the song to allow two or three people to give a testimony of what God has done in their life. 
for pastors or MCs, let me remind you, you need to hold the mic in case you've got an evangelist in the pews. Again, a guy like me getting up in the pews, you give me the microphone, we're going to be there for an hour, right? Because I love to talk. So just a little helpful hint. Then follow that up with like the bridge or the reprise back into the chorus as a celebration of what God has done. One of the things that I've always talked about in in our house church and in groups that I lead is that I feel the church today when I do say the universal church. And, and again, maybe this is more towards the American church. Sometimes I believe we've gotten so programmed and so disconnected to community and this is largely because of our culture, we forgot how to be among people's lives. And even from the presentation side of a church, we've forgotten how to creatively and successfully allow people to share their testimony. I mean, again, I grew up in a, in a small kind of Pentecostal church where, you know, they would have a, a, a line of people that would come up, share a testimony of what God has done. <laughs> but to be honest, that was pretty faith building. When you hear the power of God among somebody's life, then immediately the Holy Spirit will whisper into your ear and say, I did that for them. I bet you, if you trust me, I can do it for you too. That's, that's pretty powerful. Testimony is powerful. Revelation twelve eleven says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You need to speak your testimony. So this is a great opportunity. If you're doing this song, to allow time to let the the testimony of God moving in your church's life, in your community's life, to be shared. And, and you can find creative ways to do that. Follow the song with a portion of scripture reading of either Psalm 103 or Psalm 150. And then let people know how to spend time this week in the Bible reading this passage for themselves. I did it this morning. I just, you know, I went through and I'm like, I want to, I want to just soak myself in this passage again. And God, there's so many verses in there that I just could not get past because God was speaking to me and it was pretty powerful. Again, I, I, I probably have said this way too many times that I can't remember when I've said it and when I haven't. But if you're struggling hearing the voice of God, well, just open up your Bible, right? Let his voice speak to you. Consider singing a hymn that reinforces the attributes of God, similar to the way that the passages I mentioned before do. One of the biggest frustrations I hear from people in regards to new worship music that's being sung today is that it lacks depth. But sometimes songs that have so much depth in them have so many words that it becomes a lesson and not a song. Again, this might be another thing I have to talk about on a later uh, episode. So you can consider signing up for my course called Worship with the Word and joining the community on that. And you can do that. Find This is my selfish plug for worshipwiththeword.com that I'm excited to release this month. And I talk about these things in detail among a community that cares about this as well. In my opinion, it's always good to conclude a service of any kind where they're singing encouraged with a song that's familiar. So again, you add a song like 10,000 Reasons or How Great Is Our God. These are powerful songs that just kind of sometimes put a bow on it, which is really great. Now, as with every What Are We Singing song dive, I've included my suggested song list for your church with scripture guides and talking points to lead your congregation or small group as a free, easy to read PDF available at worshipwiththeword.com. Thanks for joining me today for this episode of What Are We Singing? If you like what you're hearing, send me a note on any songs you're curious about. I'd love to hear feedback from you. Tune in next week as we dive into the song Holy Forever by Chris Tomlin. 
Am I the only one that noticed that the name of Jesus is not in this song? It makes me want to ask the question, what are we singing? <laughs>